This is In the Arena, the ultimate podcast on Maine politics, featuring former state senator and mayor of Portland, Democrat Ethan Strimling, former Republican state senator Bill Harriman, and TV news veteran and host Pat Callahan, with insight and analysis on political issues impacting Mainers. In the Arena starts now. Hello and welcome to episode five of our second season of In the Arena podcast produced by WMTW Channel 8. I'm your host, Pat Callahan. We appreciate you being with us. With me, as always, our political analysts. We have Republican Phil Harriman, who's not only a former state senator, former town councilor in Yarmouth as well, and joining us remotely, Democrat Ethan Strimling, the peripatetic Ethan Strimling. <laughs> Good morning. How are you guys? Doing great. It's a, it's a rainy morning as we as we record this, but listen, it's nothing we can't handle because February's almost over. And, and so, uh, we're going to yeah. heat it up with a little political talk. Uh, that's right. It's like warming yourself around the fire. <laughs> now, for the first part of today's episode, we're going to discuss the main primary next week, which is also Super Tuesday, when there are 15 elections across the country. And then for our lightning round, lawmaking is sometimes known as making the sausage. So we'll discuss whether the folks in Augusta and Washington are crafting something worth serving at Dysart's truck stop or whether proposals should remain on the butcher shop floor. Of course, anyone who might be listening who's not from Maine, you will want to go to Dysart's at some point when you come to Maine because that's where every politician it's has to absolutely. go. Absolutely. And it's, the food is great. It's a must. Is that and Simona's hot dogs in mm. Lewiston. If you go nowhere else and you're a politician, you'll be all set there. <laughs> and to wrap us, uh, we'll also have our lightning round and we'll have another from my reporter's notebook, this time after uh, what happened after I went to Texas to sleep in Vice President George H.W. Bush's bed. If you missed that story, listen to last week's podcast. So we're going to take a quick break and get started. This week's big topic in the arena is Super Tuesday. Next Tuesday, March 5th, Maine and 14 other states are going to hold their primaries, allocating more than a third of the Republican delegates and 30% of Democratic delegates that they'll need this summer to win a nomination. And we're going to end this segment with some predictions. But first, let's start with Maine. And Phil, for the first time in Maine history, unenrolled voters will be able to vote in either party's primary without having to register in that particular party. Do you think that was a good change? And in fact, do unenrolled voters this time around have any incentive to pursue that course? I, I actually don't think it was a good idea. I think if you want to be affiliated with a party that has a philosophy and principles upon which their candidates are nominated and, and supported in their campaigns, then you ought to join the party. We shouldn't allow uh, people who are maybe got a hidden agenda or an ax to grind to come in and influence a party um, nomination. Um, to the second part of your question, I actually I don't think the unenrolls are going to have much of an influence in this primary. I'm not seeing or sensing any energy around any of the candidates uh, as I travel around Maine for this primary election. Yeah, Ethan, it's, it's an interesting election because as we've talked about, the primaries have sort of been hijacked by having what equi the equivalent of two incumbents, one in each party. What do you make of the, the idea of having unenrolled voters able to take a ballot for a party, and is there any incentive to do so? 
I'm also I agree with Phil on this one. I, I'm I was not in favor of this change. I, you know, one of the things about politics in the campaign primaries is if we're going to have primaries, you know, the Republican candidates really speak most directly to the Republican voters. So you're going to have a lot of voters who won't have heard much of what's going on. And I think, as Phil said, this could become a game where people are trying to go in and game the other party's nominee to gain some advantage on theirs. And I just think it's better to go in and vote for who it is that you like. And if you want to be a Democrat and you want to vote in that primary, then be a Democrat. If you want to be a Republican, vote in that primary. But uh, I also agree that there's not going to be much impact. The last numbers I saw, there were about 3,500 ballots that had been requested by unenrolled voters. You know, that's out of 350,000 in the entire state. So it's a very, very tiny amount, not going to influence uh, either primary. Now, it's new, so it might over time. We've seen it influence primaries in other states like New Hampshire, but it's a pretty heavy lift. Uh, so this was probably a good election to get it started if we were going to do this. Uh, but I don't think it will have much impact. Well, certainly when it comes to the presidential races, this has been kind of a stealth primary. You don't see signs anywhere mm. to speak of, uh, other than some people who have them up year-round. <laughs> but other than that, you don't see too much. And, of course, in this cycle, none of the major presidential candidates spent any time at all in Maine, which uh, you can look at in a couple of ways. Ethan, what do you make of it? Why is that happening this way? Well, we're, we, although we're part of Super Tuesday, which is important, probably most of the Super Tuesday states did not have many visits from the presidential candidates unless they are big swing states that are going to matter in the November election. And we don't even really matter much for that. So I'm not surprised. We don't get a lot of candidates coming here. The only time we might get some is if there's somebody who's doing a long shot campaign. You told a story about Jerry Brown, who ended up winning Maine in the Democratic primary. You know, he was somebody who saw an opening. Maine is a little independent. Perhaps he could come up here and get a little bit of juice. But uh, in this race, there was only two candidates left on the Republican side. Uh, Nikki Haley's had to put all her money into these first three or four contests, and she's getting blown out every time. So coming to Maine would just not worth her time. Uh, I think her advisors have advised her well in that sense to our detriment. You know, I, I think, Pat, that uh, building on what Ethan has just said, there's um, what, 11 or 12 or more primaries in other states. They're going to go spend their time where there is more delegates in, in play. But I do think what is uh, interesting and perhaps not top of the news yet, Pan-Atlantic polling, a well-established polling company in Maine, recently produced, uh, released a poll in which uh, Trump is leading Biden in Maine, which tells you that there are some in the first district who may be taking a fresh look at uh, whether they're going to vote for Trump or not. That, those are interesting numbers. Yes. Uh, uh, now, we have yeah. something else unusual. Oh, go ahead, Ethan. Well, I was just going to say, let's be careful about those numbers. There were 30% who chose neither candidate than that. And the poll did not say to people, okay, now that you haven't chosen somebody, who do you lean towards? So I would be very, I'd be very surprised if Donald Trump, and I assume you would be too, Phil, if Donald Trump were actually able to win Maine, a Republican has not won Maine, Maine in generations. Well, I, I, I see it your way, Ethan. I, I think what's telling is not that Trump is gaining, but people are in Maine are concerned about President Biden's um, 
capabilities. And that may be what we're seeing. This also, as we saw in Michigan's voting on Tuesday night, right. uh, there there's concerns about uh, his position on the Israel war against Hamas and mm -hmm. Gaza. So messages are being sent. Let's put it that way. Right. Right. Uh, there's something mm -hmm. else unusual in Maine happening this election cycle, and that's some city and town clerks are concerned that people who registered in the No Labels Party won't realize that they did so. They thought they might be just signing petitions to create it. Uh, so uh, they're concerned that there may be some confusion when they show up at the polls to vote for the party they were previously enrolled in. Uh, Phil, do you see that as a, as a legitimate problem? Oh, I, I do. I'm not sure how widespread it's going to be, but rest assured there are going to be people who are going to care enough about the primary to want to go vote and find out that they're registered in the No Labels Party. And yeah, some town clerks around Maine are going to have some frustrated voters. Is that what you hear, Ethan? Yeah, look, no labels was certainly deceptive. We know the Secretary of State had to step in and clarify, and there were a number of uh, voters across the state who reached out to the Secretary of State's office and said, I didn't realize I registered in a party. I thought I was just signing a petition to let them get on the ballot. And so there was some sketchy stuff going on. I think Phil's right. Some people are going to show up and they're going to be like, what happened? I do think our clerks, we're, they're very capable, very well trained. They'll be able to handle it just fine. Uh, let's just hope that the people who signed up for no labels will be patient and realize it was uh, their mistake, even if they were deceived. Let's wrap this up with a couple of predictions from you guys. And Ethan, first of all, uh, who, who's going to win the state of Maine? We talked about some early poll numbers. Is it going to be Donald Trump or Joe Biden? Oh, you mean in November? Oh, I think Joe Biden's going to win it. I would say in the primary that, uh, you know, next week, I think Donald Trump is going to beat Nikki Haley. It will be 70-30, I think. Yeah, I, I think in the primary, um, Ethan's got it right. Uh, I do think that uh, President Trump in the general is going to uh, continue his track record of winning that one electoral college vote do, in the do, second district. Do you think any Democrat leading un, unenrolled voters might take a Republican ballot just to vote for Nikki Haley to tweak Donald well, Trump? Well, and as we talked about earlier, the, 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 that is now an option for someone to come in and send a message to the Republicans who aren't really a Republican registered voter. Uh, I don't think it's going to be widespread, though. Uh, second, does Nikki Haley win any states at all on no, Super Tuesday? No, I yeah. think her campaign is uh, done. I, I sense unanimity <laughs> coming across from you, too, Ethan. Yeah, she's she's done. She's done. Uh, finally, a little I'm glad she, I'm glad she's still pushing, though. It is fun to keep it going. It gives us stuff to talk about. So <laughs> That's I'm true. encouraging her to stay we're, in the race. We're always grateful for that. That's We don't like quiet <laughs> primaries. They're not fun. Yeah. Uh, a little fun. wild card, the race uh, to replace the late State Representative Lois Galgay-Reckett in South Portland is happening on Super Tuesday. Do the Democrats hold the seat, or does it flip Republican? And, of course, you both know this is a trick question. Ethan? <laughs> it is a trick question. Quick disclosure, my partner's actually been running the race of Matt Beck, but, yeah, Republicans did not even put up a candidate in this race. There is a Democrat, and there are two independents, uh, but I think Matt Beck is going to win this thing by 60% plus. Yeah, I, I think uh, Matt is part of the party structure that we've yeah. been talking about. There's built-in support and uh, organizational skills that the independents uh, are just now realizing what they got themselves into. <laughs> yeah, and Ethan, I appreciate your disclaimer there because we like to think we hold ourselves to an even higher standard than Supreme Court justices do. So we yes, get it we all do. out there. <laughs> we'll be back and get our lightning round going right after this.
It is time for our lightning round in the arena. As the main legislature begins churning out bills, we're going to play, are they making good sausage or bad sausage? In other words, to put it more simply, are they good bills, are they bad bills? So issue one, a bill heard by the Criminal Justice Committee last week is targeting large-scale illegal cannabis operations in Maine. The bill creates new crimes for racketeering and expands asset seizure. And that bill also prohibits people from purchasing property in Maine if they are citizens of China, Cuba, Iran, North Korea, or Russia. So, Phil, that, that's an interesting one to unpack there, but is this, a, a, is this good sausage making or bad? It, uh, about halfway through, it was great sausage making. <laughs> the, the criminality of uh, illegal cannabis probably had some, um, some stature uh, from a support point of view, but as soon as you added in that other ingredient of where they come from, you've just created a bill that's going nowhere. Well, you've got to ask if that's even constitutional, Ethan. Right. right. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's clearly racist. So uh, other than the bill being racist and actually not needed because we already have the laws on the books, yeah, you could call it great sausage, but no, uh, this is bad. It's unnecessary. The attorney general's made clear they have the tools they need, and they've been cracking down, as we've seen. Issue two, the Taxation Committee is considering a bill which would grant municipalities the option to increase the lodging tax on short-term rentals by 1%, as long as it's first approved by local voters. The revenue from that additional tax would be required by towns to be used on affordable housing programs. Ethan, is this a good call or a bad one? Uh, this is good. This is a good, good idea, and I think they ought to add the tax onto the meals so we could tax the sausage that we're making <laughs> as well, because we need to get the tourist money to be able to build more housing. So this is a good idea. Let municipalities tax the short-term rentals. Short-term rental owners making a ton of money. We ought to be able to get some of that tourism revenue to help. That's a bad bill. <laughs> Ethan, I don't think he's met a tax that he doesn't like. Uh, raising taxes is not going to do anything about the affordability of, of housing. We need to look at why is housing so difficult. It's regulation, it's costs, it's permitting, and so forth. He's turning up his nose the way a lot of us do to blood sausage. You know, some love it, but boy, not, not everybody. No, no, no. Uh, issue three, the Maine House of Representatives approved a bill last Thursday that would provide additional funding and resources for schools to ensure that they are complying with laws that require them to teach African-American and Wabanaki studies. Phil, is that good or bad sausage? Maybe? Bad sausage. And the reason is that the, the state funding formula is built on essential programs and services. This curriculum is in there. Uh, local towns have the responsibility of the school boards to allocate the money that are, that are appropriated for them. Uh, there's no need for this bill. They just need to allocated local, and prioritized. Local it. control is right. the keystone of Maine education. Right. Ethan, what do you think? Uh, no, this is a good idea. Part of what this does is it actually sets up a state board to be able to help advise communities. Look, this is a whole new area that we are trying to teach young people about, a whole part of our history that we've ignored, that we've changed, that we've unfortunately uh, turned into something that it isn't. So creating this state board to help municipalities do it and to provide a little extra money, that's a very good idea. More taxes, more bureaucracy is what I hear. <laughs> <laughs> no, what you got to hear is better education for our kids, Phil. That's what you're missing. Well, and again, given the, given the, I think it's probably a reaction to the current climate where some states are saying, let's not teach about these particular things because right. for all mm -hmm. kinds of reasons. So I suspect that probably has a lot to do with this. Issue four, Governor Janet Mills announced last week that Sears Island is the preferred site for a designated port 
to support the state's budding offshore wind industry. She touts the economic and environmental opportunities of offshore wind. But Republicans are already pushing back, uh, partly because of environmental impacts to the island and surrounding wildlife. Uh, they're also talking about, uh, let's look at other alternative forms of energy, including nuclear power, which, well, of course, we've, we've been down that road before, too. So, uh, Ethan, uh, is this good sausage making or bad? Uh, this is good, actually. If you look at the process that they went through, there was a commission that came together. They investigated sites all over the state. They got community input, and then they determined that this was the best place. And let's be very clear, 90% uh, of the people who are opposing this, and let's also be clear, that 90% is a small minority of Mainers, they oppose wind, right? This is not all of a sudden they become environmentalists and trying to protect the environment. Environmental groups are supportive of this. So the people who oppose wind from the beginning, they don't want to put it there for the same reasons as before. They just don't like wind power. You know, I, I have to uh, acknowledge that I'm not sure if this is good or bad sausage because uh, what they're going to do to Sears Island is not clear yet what, how much uh, degradation of that island is going to be needed to make this a staging area. And I still think that the, if you look around the world, wind projects are not getting off the ground. They are having struggles. And so we need to rethink, is this really the best future of Maine's energy sources? The issue five, the Committee on Veterans and Legal Affairs voted eight to five, with three of those in support who want to send it to voters, to have Maine join 16 other states and the District of Columbia in a movement to elect the President of the United States by a national popular vote. In other words, uh, the state would give its delegates in the fall to whichever candidate won the national popular vote. And we've seen in recent cycles that isn't always the one who wins the Electoral College. Uh, so, uh, Phil, uh, this is sponsored by uh, your hometown representative, Arthur Bell of Yarmouth. Good sausage or bad? Real bad sausage. Uh, if, you, if Maine wants to become relevant in the presidential election process, make it by the popular vote. The only reason that we are relevant is that we have electoral college votes that determine who's elected president. That's the reason why Donald Trump spent so much time in the second district, because he needed that one vote. Ethan? And Phil, we aren't relevant. They barely come to Maine. Yes, he did go to the second CD. He went a couple of times, not like he went a ton of times. But we are irrelevant because every vote doesn't, uh, isn't the same as every other vote. So. We ought to have a system in this country where if you get the most votes, you win. It's how city council races are won, state legislative races are won, congressional, U.S. Senate, every other race. It's done by one person, one vote. Whoever gets the most votes, they should be the winner. And unfortunately, George Bush, Donald Trump, a number of candidates have lost the popular vote but still got the White House. And that's the system we have. We ought to change it. Well, you know, the, the, the fact is we're a representative republic, not a democracy. And in, in order for each state to be represented, their votes from the electoral college process, in my view, is, is essential. Last issue of the lightning right. round. Let's turn our eyes to the uh, nation's capital. Democratic Congressman Jared Golden of Maine is trying to leverage the fight uh, for the, Repub uh, the, the, the Republican majority in the U.S. House by telling Republican Speaker Mike Johnson that he will back him if he brings this compromise foreign aid and border security bill to the floor, and if some Republicans on the far right try to oust him for it, Ethan, putting aside the context of the bill itself, uh, is this a, a good way to make sausage or a bad way? 
you do have to put aside the content of the bill because the content of the bill is not good. But um, I think it's a good way to make sausage. It's fine. Any way that you can leverage your power, and this isn't a tight majority like this, uh, I just wish he was doing it in a way that would be much more beneficial to the state of Maine and much more beneficial. If he had done this to say, uh, if you bring forward the Senate compromise on this, I would support it. Or if he had been doing it on something that was really going to make sure that Maine uh, was doing better, I'd be all for it as well. I'm just disappointed why he's doing it, but absolutely legit way to um, to try to get legislation passed. We've been talking about good sausage and bad sausage from a political insider's point yeah. of view. Jared just made some really good sausage, <laughs> right? He became relevant, became influential, and he has the power to determine whether uh, Mike Johnson remains a speaker. A lot of people are asking for common sense and compromise. Yeah. Well, there it is. It, it can happen. Well, now that we've had that delicious breakfast, we're going to take a break. <laughs> we'll be right back with the story of a reporter who went from Maine to Texas for a story and then wound up stranded in New York City. Unusual things can happen when one is traveling far and wide to find great news stories. Last week, you'll recall, I talked about going to Houston, Texas in 1988 to stay in the hotel room, which then Vice President George Bush and his wife Barbara claimed as their legal residence, despite the only property they owned was their estate in Kennebunkport, the only home they owned. Now, this is what happened as I prepared to make my way home, and we'll wrap it up with a couple of valuable lessons that I learned along the way. So I was at the airport leaving Houston, getting ready to come back to Maine, and I heard a page, and it's, it was, I was being called to the phone. And in those days, there were no cell phones. So I picked up the phone, found out it was the news director. He said, listen, uh, the city of Bangor has just hired a new city manager, a guy named Ed Barrett from Wichita Falls, Texas, which is up near the Oklahoma border. Want you, we want you to go there and work with the Wichita Falls Station and get an interview with them. We'll have the first one is to talk to them. I said, okay, good idea. So I bought myself another plane ticket and got myself to Wichita Falls, got a hotel, hooked up with the, with the photographer there, did our story, shipped that back. Everybody's happy. Now i got to get home. So I go to Dallas, which is closest to Wichita Falls, get on the plane. The news director said there's a hotel, a Sheraton hotel, all paid for, ready for you when you get there, so you'll be all set. I managed to have just enough money to get a cab ride from the airport to the hotel, find out it has not been paid for. Oh, no. I give them my credit card, which is maxed out because I've been buying extra plane tickets, and I only had one credit card. So I went outside the hotel, standing there with my little suitcase, wondering what I'm going to do next. A fellow approaches me, and in my mind, he looked a lot like Dustin Hoffman in Midnight Cowboy, that kind of New York City guy, and he was looking for a handout. And I said, I laughed. I said, I'd love to give you something, but I got nothing. I'm tapped. He says, well, what's the problem? And I explained what was going on. He said, well, look, he says, uh, there's a hotel near here, the Howard Johnson's, that won't need a credit card. If you get some cash, you can just pay for the hotel room. I said, okay. And he says, and there's an ATM right near it. All right. I got no other response here, so off we went, got the cash, uh, went to the hotel. I gave him 20 bucks, and I thought he didn't rob me. So, you know, I, he gave me good advice. That was, so I finally make my way back home, stay in that hotel, get back to Portland, fill my expense report out, and I put $20 as a consulting fee. 
And the news director said, what is the consulting fee? And I told him that story. He says, there's no way you're making me pay for that. You left me in that position. So, so there were two lessons that came out of this. One is not as relevant as it used to be because we have cell phones. But if you're paged at the airport, call home, make sure your family's okay, and ignore it. Do not <laughs> yeah. answer it. Second, carry another credit card because you don't want to get stuck in that position. So that's, that's how that happened. Great <laughs> that's story. It's a great story. And that is that's going great. to do it for Episode 5 of Season 2 of In the Arena, produced at WMTW Channel 8 Studios. We'll be back next week with Episode 5. You can see all of the episodes of In the Arena at WMTW.com or listen by subscribing on Apple, Spotify, iHeart, wherever you get your podcast. Just type in In the Arena, Maine, and we should pop up. New episodes drop every Thursday morning, so join us, won't you? We'll see you next time.